0: Hi, I'm Rachel Montaliani and welcome to Kittypedia the podcast. I'm not an expert, however, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, undoubtedly, being a parent is the most honourable, righteous and wonderful role known to woman or man, one that is filled with selfless sacrifices, yet an undeniable, unconditional love that no words could ever describe. For that reason, it's understandable that a parent puts the health and well-being of their newborn before anyone or anything else, especially their own. So in order to give our children the life they deserve and a positive future, we must first be the best version of ourselves at all stages throughout our parenthood, in mind, body, and spirit. The first and most common of these that we do neglect is our mental health, which is why we're here and what we're here to address today with our very special guest. Today, I'm honored and thrilled to welcome one of our partners here at Kittypedia, Dr. Harvey Karp, America's number one pediatrician, and one of the world's most trusted and renowned baby and sleep experts. Now a little about our guest and hold tight because here we go. Now for the last 25 years Dr Carve has practiced pediatrics in Los Angeles for the likes of Madonna and Pierce Brosnan. He is on the faculty of the USC School of Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Now, Dr. Harvey is the founder and CEO of Happiest Baby, an award-winning smart tech parenting solutions company, author of several celebrated books, including the Happiest Baby on the Block and creator of the five S's. He is also the inventor of the Snoo Baby Bassinet, the A-listers, now get ready for it, the Beyonce and Jay-Z, Natalie Portman, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, Chloe Kardashian, here we go, Kate Hudson, Mila Kunis, Jessica Beale, and Serena Williams would be here all day if we if I was to go through all of them, but they have all used uh, the, the snoo to help their babies get a more restful sleep. And Dr. Karp Car- Dr. has devoted his life to helping families raise healthy and happy children and we're so lucky to have him here with us and talking to us today. Welcome. How are you?
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm well, thanks so happy to be with you. so happy to have this opportunity to have a chat.
0: Wonderful. Now, your landmark discoveries um, and very unique ability, I guess to translate what some people would I guess uh, definitely look at as complex science, but get into very effective techniques that parents can understand. That has really, truly revolutionized, I guess, our understanding of the needs of young children. Now, I'd love to know, just initially, where did you first discover this, this beautiful purpose and dedication to what has now become your life's work? Now, where did your passions sort of come from?
1: Well, you know, for many, many years, decades, I was a pediatrician in the office. So just the, the doctor down the street, and, um, and when you take care of hundreds and hundreds of families, of course, the issue of exhaustion and crying babies is the first thing that you deal with with a young family. You know, you were mentioning all of those celebrities who have used SnoO. Mm-hmm. but many, many more truckers and teachers and nurses, this is not, you know, the thing about celebrities is that they put their pants on one leg at a time as well. They have babies that cry and you know, they've got poopy diapers and, and really they're going through all of those experiences that the rest of us have. Of, co- of course, they've got maybe more people helping them than we, than we <laughs> do at home. But nevertheless, um, you know, my job as a pediatrician is really just to help people try to be successful at that, at that wonderful job, as you said so beautifully in the beginning, that we're so honored and privileged. To be able to um, to undertake, and so for me it was really how do I help people with these problems, and what was what struck me as a as kind of a um, a kind of confusion but also optimism was that that listen all pediatricians are taught to tell parents that some babies just cry, some babies just have colic, babies are not going to be good sleepers in the first months, and it may take you know five or six months before they really. Learn to have these regular cycles and be better sleepers. And yet, at the same time, I was taught, and most doctors, most grandmothers will tell you the same thing that if your baby is fussing a lot and your baby's not sleeping well, put them in the back of the car and drive them around for hours or all night long. If you drive a baby all <laughs> night long, they will sleep an extra hour or two. I mean, they just, even adults do. If we're in the back seat lying down, we would fall asleep for an extra hour or two. Of course, it wouldn't help a parent because they'd be so exhausted driving all night. (laughs) But the point is that 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 proves that what we were thinking was incorrect. That of course, there are ways that we can help babies to sleep better and to cry less. We just needed the right tools. And for me, that was so exciting because that meant that well, let's, let's follow this through. Then it means that maybe we can be much more successful. Maybe parents don't have to go through the screaming and the witching hour and the exhaustion. That is not just, uh, it's not a joke. I mean, yes, you'll have sitcoms that show the tired mother falling asleep at a red light while she's driving her car or the father brushing his teeth with sunscreen or pouring coffee into his cereal or whatever. But, at the same time, exhaustion and crying babies are a torture for many parents. I've had so many parents in tears who have told me that they didn't have another child because they could not go through that experience wow. of exhaustion and crying. And, uh, and of course it can lead to depression and child abuse and divorce and um, suicide even. So this is My not promise. a little problem. It's quite a, a quite a serious problem. Yes. And um, so for me, that's, that's really how it all started.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, your highly innovative and celebrated books and videos, for example, The Happiest Baby on the Block, The Happiest Toddler on the Block, and The Happiest Baby Guide to Great Sleep um, have been translated into dozens of languages and have helped millions of parents all around the world. So, you know, as one of the world's most renowned baby and sleep experts, and of all your achievements to date, I'd love to know, look, what are you most proud of achieving?
1: I guess um, giving parents some hope. You know, uh, the, the, the baby, what, what pediatricians do is we try to make simple solutions Sometimes they're too simple and we have to rethink it, but basically to give people guidance so that they can be more successful. That's really what our job is. And of course, to to be able to see when babies are ill and and help take care of them. But when it comes to newborns, it's really about giving simple simple advice. And our job, as odd as that sounds, is maybe 50% being a doctor and 50% being a grandmother, right? Because most people don't have that extra generational help living upstairs or next door to them. Uh, And in fact, that's one of the things I try to help parents understand is that parents today should be patting themselves on the back because most people can't afford to have a nanny or a night nurse. Um, It's beyond our means, but a hundred years ago and for the entire history of humanity, people had their grandmother, their aunt, they had five nannies, you know, helping them. And so parents today are working, they're taking care of their baby and their toddler, and maybe even their elderly parents. And, um, and that's quite a bit more than parents ever had to do in the past. So people need to just take a break and realize that you know, perfection is a word that's only found in the dictionary. It doesn't exist in real life. And through our mistakes, you shouldn't feel shy about making mistakes. You will make mistakes. Listen, when you dance with each other, you're going to step on each other's toes now and again, and that's how you learn to be better dancers. And so the problem is not making mistakes. Of course, we want to make as few as as we need to make, but it's rather how do we repair after we've made mistakes? Um, and that's true for the entire you know for the rest of your life with your children and your partners, etc. But when it comes to babies, the thing that was really the thing that I'm proud of is just recognizing something that hadn't been fully recognized before, which is that, <clears throat> excuse me, which is that babies are born with a reflex, almost an off switch for crying in and an on switch for sleep. And you activate that reflex by doing five things that imitate the baby's experience in the womb. I call it the five S's. Mm-hmm. And so those are swaddling, the side or stomach position, not for sleep. Sleep is only on the back, but but the back is the worst position for calming a crying baby. Uh, The third S is is, um, uh, shushing or white noise. The fourth S is swinging or rhythmic motion. And the fifth S is sucking. And every baby is a little bit different, but when you layer those on and when you learn how to do them correctly, you can almost be a magician. You can calm crying, but sometimes in, in seconds. The baby goes from screaming to quiet, literally in seconds. And so, <clears throat> with, and of course, there's the book, Happiest Baby, although I don't even recommend the book, to be honest with you. I mean, it's a fine book and it's hopefully interesting, but parents learn these techniques best by watching our video. Um, And um, it's kind of like learning how to tie your shoelace. You can read a book about it, but you'll learn it best if you watch someone doing it a few times. So it's not magical, it's not even hard to do, but it is counterintuitive. For example, to bring a baby's ear close to your mouth and go, shh, feels like you're saying shut up or you're being rude. But of course that imitates the sensation that the baby had in the womb and is one of the things that activates this reflex. Mm -hmm. And so this is new information. We didn't know 20 years ago that babies had this reflex and that when parents do these very specific things, they can be so much more successful at calming crying babies, even colicky babies. So that's one great uh, advance. But then if if you utilize these techniques to soothe the baby through the night We can, just like by driving them in the car, we can add an hour or two to their sleep. And so the whole idea that we had about a baby is born, they go from this environment of sound that's louder than a vacuum cleaner in the womb, that type of rhythmic blood flow sound, constant motion. Every time the mother breathes, her diaphragm is pressing against the womb and the baby is being rocked and constantly being held in this little ball. Then the baby's born and we put them on the back in a quiet room in a still bed. And then we, we, we wonder I why aren't the they sleep- sleeping better, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, how would you sleep if I took away your bed and your duvet and your pillow and your sheets and made you sleep on a cement floor?
0: I'd be crying. <laughs> you would be
1: crying, exactly right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, no wonder that babies have a hard time sleeping especially mm-hmm. after they really wake up to the world after after a couple of months and they, they suddenly go, well, why did you take everything away from me? <laughs> and then at five or six months, you can wean the baby off of these things because by then their brain has doubled in size. They're much better able at soothing themselves. And we remove them step-by-step step so that by after six months, they're excellent sleepers, although we still use white noise at that point as a a little bit of a sleep aid for the babies.
0: As well. Now, so you're the founder and inventor of the SNU Smart Sleeper. Now, for anyone that doesn't know what the SNU is, um, and maybe you've been under a rock for for however long... The SNOO is um, a high-tech responsive bassinet that is based on over 20 years of Dr. Karp's research, which is said to be a game changer and just happens to be the world's most awarded baby product. So in saying that, um, what is there anything else that you can share with us from your 20 plus years of research about the importance of quality sleep for babies and parents alike? And also anything else that led you to creating the SNOO?
1: Well, you know something, um, the reason that we created this new was I was teaching these techniques for, for many, many years and helping parents. But what they would still say is, I'm still exhausted at night. My baby is waking me up two, three, four times a night. Is there anything I can do? And of course, I realized that if we had a way of doing the five S's all night long, the babies would do better. And now we've studied over 42,000 babies, the largest sleep study ever done. We've measured over 200 million hours of infant sleep using SNU. And what we've proven is what any mother or father knows that if you drive them all night in the car, they'll sleep better. And so Snoo is like driving them all night without getting in the car. <laughs> and, and so the bed rocks and shushes babies gently. And then when they get upset, the bed ro- rocks and shushes them a little bit louder, a little bit more jiggly, a little bit more high pitched. And so it goes up several steps to imitate what you would do with a baby in your arms. And so um, it's not a magic cot. I mean, h- half of the time it will calm crying. I think a lot a of minute. people
0: would think that it, it is a magic cot.
1: <laughs> well, but, but I want to disabuse them of that because it isn't. And, and I don't want people to be dissatisfied. Some people think, oh, I'll get that. My baby will instantly sleep eight hours. That's not gonna happen, but you'll be able to add a half hour here, a half hour there, an hour there, and get that much more sleep for your baby. And listen, if you can get your baby to sleep four, four and a half hours, instead of waking up every two hours, that's a major advance. And we, we definitely see that by the time the kids get to be two months, three months of age, they will sleep seven, eight, even nine hours at a stretch, which is remarkable. We never knew babies could do that. But what happens is that gradually they're eating more during the day and they're sleeping more at night and they kind of get that day-night balance oriented. So we strongly recommend people start this at birth. It, it can definitely be helpful even at a month or two months of age, but the longer you wait, the harder it is to re-educate a baby. Mm -hmm. And then we recommend that parents use this for a full six months, because even though they're sleeping well at three or four months, there's still lots of bumps in the road coming up. This is kind of one of the things that people misunderstand about baby sleep. Most people know that in the beginning, they're not going to get a lot of sleep. And then they think it's just going to get better and better and better, you know, as time goes on but that's not usually what happens. What usually happens, it gets better, then it gets worse, then it gets better, then it gets worse because they get a growth spurt or a sleep regression or a cold, or they start teething. And suddenly like a house of cards, everything falls apart. Mm. And a baby who was sleeping five, six hours suddenly starts waking every two hours again. And people feel quite depressed by that. And they feel misled and they feel like they're doing something wrong. And of course they're not, it's just the normal cycle of things. But if a baby goes through a growth spurt or a sleep regression and they're being rocked, what happens is they wake up in the middle of the night. If they're not in a snoo, they wake up and they go, what? it's too, wait, you with the long hair, come back here. Yeah. But if they wake up and they're being rocked and shushed, they're more likely to kind of just doze back off the way you would if you were lying in the back of the car being driven and you wake up a little bit or in a, in a, in a train or in a plane. You wake up a little bit you look around and then you put your head back down and you fall asleep and so we're much better able to get babies sleeping well and that means the parents can get better sleep the bed literally sleep trains babies and more importantly than anything it keeps babies secured on the back so they can't roll to an unsafe position in the cot and so we're it's now designated. It's one of the great panics of a parent, you know, once they get to be two, three months and then you're checking them every hour, you know, did the baby stay in a safe position? And even though doctors tell you, you know, once your baby can roll over in the cot, you can just leave them like that. But that bub is not safe on the stomach, even though they can do it. If you could keep the baby on the back longer, it would be much safer. And so we, we want to keep babies on the back at least for the first six months. And we are currently designated by the US uh, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, a breakthrough device. Meaning for the first time, we're a device that has the potential to to reduce cop death. And um, I can't tell you exactly what our numbers are yet because we're not allowed by the government to make that claim. But I will tell you that we're seeing a dramatic and substantial Um, uh, improvement in keeping babies on the back in that safe position. And not only that, but we're also doing studies on the prevention of postnatal depression. In fact, one in the United States, one study that we're doing right now, and one in Melbourne at Monash University, um, on the prevention of depression. No one else is really dealing with that. We're Right now, we're waiting for women to get depressed. We're screening (laughs) them. We hope we find them when we get depressed. We hope they they'll take medication or do psychotherapy. We hope that works, it's a terrible system, yeah. um, much better to prevent depression before it happens. And so we're quite hopeful that um, this won't depress, uh, prevent all postnatal depression, but, but a large number of women and men we believe will be able to keep them on the right side of mental illness by, um, and distress keeping the baby sleeping better and you know what not just it's not just about sleep it's about feeling like you have a helper snoo is not a special baby bed snoo is a caregiver it's a robotic helper and it is like an extra pair of arms that is there rocking and shushing the baby so that while you're getting an extra hour or two of sleep the baby's needs are being met as well and some people go, well, that's a robot raising a baby. No, it's just kind of a smart swing helping you out so that the baby is getting their needs met while you're getting an extra well, hour two of sleep. you think
0: about it, I mean, the amount of technology we have in our lives, everything is surrounded by technology these days, realistically. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a no-brainer that there would, you know, be... I guess, you know, some, some technology to be able to help us sleep, but we're just lucky exactly. enough that you've put your 20, 20 plus years research into this to help us. Now, you're also known for your breakthrough discoveries, the in reflex, the five S's, as you mentioned before, and to, was it toddler, tole, toddler S? Toddler I'm so sorry that.
1: No, and, no,
0: not at all. And they've benefited, you know, millions of parents, uh, around the world and uh, you've that has taught them I guess um, to be able to help different sort of educators as well now so could you please just tell us initially what is the coming reflex in babies I'd just love to just expand on that a little bit for a moment
1: sure so babies are born with over 70 reflexes which are automatic behaviors because babies are wonderful but but you know, there's a lot of complexity once they're born, right? I mean, in the womb, they're being fed through the umbilical cord. Suddenly they have to eat food. Suddenly they have to breathe. Suddenly they have to be able to blink if dust gets in their eyes. All of those things are built in survival reflexes. And what we didn't know is that babies also had a calming reflex. They automatically know how to cry But just like a smoke alarm that goes off, you need to be able to turn it off also. And so they have a calming reflex that is like an off switch for that crying.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's like, is it like replicating the rhythmic rhythmic sounds and motion that, as you were mentioning before, that the baby's used to within the the mother's womb that triggers a reflex that keeps the babies relaxed?
1: So Um, for babies, the key concept that parents have to understand is the fourth trimester. That our babies are born three or four or five months before they're really ready for the world. Of course, right. we're ready. We're ready at seven or eight months to have a baby. But uh, babies are, you know, by four months, they're smiling, they're interacting, they're really ready to be social beings in this relationship. But in those first four months, they're really fetuses outside of the uterus. So you spend all day long imitating your womb, holding, rocking, feeding. And of course, if you spend 12 hours holding your baby, you think, oh my God this is so much, maybe I'm spoiling my baby. And your baby is thinking, this is a ripoff. you spoil me 24 hours a day. And so if you understand it from that perspective, then you're much better off to understand what your baby needs. And so if you hold and rock your baby and carry your baby and nurse your baby or feed your baby a lot, your baby learns to trust you mm-hmm. and to feel secure and to feel loved. And so the biggest job you have is not to worry about spoiling your baby, Spoiling a child or, or, you know, later on, we have to teach them that they have to follow rules, that they have to follow, you know, our expectations. No, you can't play with the scissors. No, you can't hit your sister with that baseball bat or, you know, you, you have to, you know, um, follow certain rules in the family. And that's an important job of parents. But that's not the job in the first nine months. In the first nine months, the job is to meet your baby's needs over and over again to really give them that feeling of being loved and feeling secure and trusting.
0: So is the calming reflex um, what you've described as a virtual switch off for crying and a switch on for sleep then effectively? Correct,
1: correct. Not exactly that. It's not going to work every time, but it will work if your baby is ready to be calmed. And, you know, sometimes the calming reflex won't work and that means your baby is hungry. Mm -hmm. that's how you really understand the cues that your baby is sharing with you but if the baby isn't hungry then usually doing those five steps will be soothing for the baby
0: So, so just to reconfirm then how can we learn to trigger the calming reflex with your 5s method and why are they so important i'd love to know
1: well like any reflex you need to do it you know when the when you go to the doctor the gp and they hit your knee with that little hammer
0: Yes, I've had that happen before. When you, when your leg and your foot out. jumps
1: out. <laughs> but if they hit your knee and they're off by two or three centimeters, it doesn't work. Or if they hit it in the right place and they do it too softly, it doesn't work. So the thing about reflexes, you have to do them precisely to elicit the reflex. And that's why we made a video to demonstrate that because. Um, if they're on the side, roll to the back, it doesn't work. If you're not trishing loud enough or harshly enough, it doesn't work. If you're not jiggling them and letting the head kind of jiggle a little bit, it doesn't work. So these, and and every baby is different. Some of them are more motion oriented. Some are more sound oriented. Some are more suck oriented. So you do have to kind of practice. Um, get, I don't want to make it overly complex because once you learn it, it's like tying your shoelaces. It's super easy, but it has, does take a little bit of, of learning to, to get, get with the program.
0: And so, I mean, how does your 5S method then relate to parents getting more sleep? It's, it's, is it just providing, I guess, that security, of course, for themselves, knowing that their child is safe um, and that the baby is sleeping um, better, well, would you it's say? It's really
1: about imitating the womb. And that understanding that a quiet bed, a flat bed that's not moving in a quiet room is really sensory deprivation for a baby. Gotcha. And so uh, of course not everyone's gonna have a snoo. And in the US now we rent them for the cost of a Starbucks coffee. And we're hoping, we're looking forward to bringing that to Australia as well. Um, but for right now we just sell them and you know, they're not inexpensive. They are inexpensive if you compare it to hiring a babysitter. I mean, if you were to hire a babysitter, you'd pay, you know, twenty Australian a day, or uh, you know, to just for not for a day, for an hour of yes. their help. Um, and so, if you buy a snoo, it'll cost you whatever it is, you know, maybe nine or ten Australian a day. So, um, it's really quite a bit less expensive than having a babysitter or a nanny or a night nurse helping you to have twenty-four hour coverage. But nevertheless, not everyone can afford that. And so people can use swaddling for the first couple, three months. They can use white noise for many, many months with the baby. And -hmm. those things imitate the womb experience. And the more you imitate the womb all night long, the better the baby sleeps. And then at five or six months, you want to wean them off of these things to get them prepared to go into the cotton.
0: So just to confirm, um, the five S's is a womb-like sensation or replicating that, and the five S's are swaddle, side, stomach position, shush, swing, and suck. So I just wanted to just exactly. reconfirm that. Now, of course, sleep, as we know, is really crucial. Um, I guess to adequate functioning of the human body, um, and as you mentioned earlier, the effects of ongoing sleep um, disturbance um, can lead be a leading factor in declining mental health. Uh, causing a long list of issues, including depression, anxiety, even paranoia, and some of the others that you mentioned earlier as well. Now, so throughout your 25 years research, you know, what have you found uh, about the causes of sleep deprivation and the importance of parents maintaining just a a healthy sleep routine?
1: You know something about sleep deprivation that we use it to train our special forces to endure torture.
0: Yes, isn't that incredible?
1: We make the, 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 the special forces, our armed forces, go through chronic sleep deprivation with the sound of crying babies over loudspeakers. I mean, that's how we torture people. It's your everyday life and we're the new baby. And so it turns out that, you know, you can deal with a night or two or three of, of, um, of sleeplessness. But studies have shown, actually there was a study out of Adelaide that showed that uh, new parents were five times more likely to get into a serious accident, car accident. And um, a study in the United States showed that one night of less than six hours sleep doubled your risk of getting into a serious car accident. And so so sleep deprivation has a serious effect on us. In fact, within a night or two, it, it impairs your brain the same way that being drunk does. And so would you want to, that's why we recommend parents not sleep with the baby in bed with them, because when you're sleep deprived, you're like a drunk person and you wouldn't bring a baby in bed with you if you were drunk. And so it's very important to keep the baby safe and to recognize the fact that it's through sleep deprivation we, we lose our judgment, we become irritable, we can become paranoid as you said, or hyper uh, anxious or even depressed. Mm-hmm. And men and women can experience that. Uh, people who adopt babies can experience that, just like women who have their own babies. And, um, but the good news is if we can just add a little extra sleep, sometimes it's just an extra hour of sleep can make all the difference. We've seen women who were on medication, they were depressed, suicidally depressed, on medication, on psychotherapy, not getting better because they were only getting two, three, four hours of sleep a night. And then when we give them a snoo and they can get an extra hour or two of sleep.
0: All the difference it makes.
1: All the difference. Yeah. And so we're quite excited to, to bring this through um, really around the world. In Oz, The United States, it's in Europe now, the UK, Canada uh, will be expanding into, into Asia as well to give parents this tool that every parent you know, throughout history wishes they had to just get that little bit of extra sleep to imitate the, the womb. And so we're very, very excited about being able to bring Snoo to, to parents. And ultimately, what I hope and believe is going to happen in, in Australia is that the government will subsidize this and that insurance companies will subsidize this because, because they will save money and improve outcomes. They'll make healthier families and save money on unnecessary medical treatments because we've prevented problems rather than waiting for them to occur.
0: Totally agree. Totally agree. And like you were just saying, a, a lack of proper sleep can lead to a whole heap of in, impaired judgment overall, really poor decision-making, mood changes, hallucina- hallucinations even um, <laughs> as well. You're quite right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, significant detrimental impacts um, to our health overall, Um, which is a perfect segue to mentioning that, of course, that we published an article of yours, uh, and the title is Five Tips to Look After Your Own Mental Health as a New Mum or Parent. Now, for someone who hasn't read your your article yet, could you please tell us what it's about? And of course, what inspired you to write it?
1: Well, ultimately, uh, about 20% of new mothers experience postnatal depression and anxiety. And during the pandemic, um, that's gone up quite a bit more. In the United States, there was a study a few months back saying that more than a third of new mothers now experience clinical depression. I mean, that's, that's a tragedy and it's, it's, it's unconscionable. We have to do something about that. And what we need to do is give women support. I mean, why do women get depressed? They don't have the support. They don't have the help they need. Now, we can't wave a magic wand and give everyone extended families and give them caregivers or nannies to help them, which is what they should have. They should have their grandmother and their aunt and their older sister helping them, but we don't all have access to that. And so the goal with, with you know, the five S's or with Snoo is to give people a little bit of respite and a little bit more help so they can be more successful.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd love to know from your perspective, why do you think it's so important that, to look after your mental health as a new mom or a parent?
1: What we now know about, about postnatal depression is that um, it, it, it has a, a deep and, and potentially um, uh, chronic impact on families. Um, It's very important if you're feeling depressed, and by the way, this depression is not always a boohoo depression, sometimes it's an anxious depression, you wouldn't think it's depression, it's like you can't turn off your mind, you can't stop worrying, you just want to flee, you wanted a baby more than anything else, and now you want to run away more than anything else, those are symptoms of postnatal depression, and they are things that we can really help, so you shouldn't feel ashamed, or embarrassed, or trying to hide that, you should reach out and get help, because many people experience that, and, and we can really help with that. In, in Australia, there, there, there are so many support systems through the government, through Trusillian, through many different you know, avenues of being able to support young parents. So reach out for help. It's very important to do that. There are, are hotlines to be able to get support when you're a depressed mother or father, for that matter. And so, um, so it's important to understand that um, we want treatment early on otherwise this can lead to chronic depression it can interfere with your with your relations with your partner or even your relations with your child mm-hmm.
0: and in your view then I mean what do you see as the causes of the perinatal depression or anxiety
1: well there are many um, um, of course it's um, uh, it's really related to stressors like the straw that broke the camel's back so not having social support, living in poverty, living in a dangerous neighborhood, um, uh, having a prior history of trauma, um, uh, intimate partner violence or sexual trauma early on, or having a traumatic birth or having breastfeeding issues or having, feeling like you're not aligned with your baby. There are many factors that are involved, but um, many of those are difficult to, to, to remediate. Um, I can't change your past. I can't change your history of trauma. I can't change a traumatic birth. Those things are things that we have to deal with. What we can change and rather easily is your ability to feel successful as a parent, to be able to get sleep. You know, the first question everyone asks you is, how's your baby sleeping? Yeah, of and course. you feel so proud of yourself when your baby is sleeping well. Um, if you're able to calm your baby's crying, you feel competent as a parent. And so those are traumas that we can immediately and pretty easily be able to take care of. And that's, I think really the goal of, as we look at um, uh, postpartum health now, postnatal health is to be able to give parents those skills so they can be more successful.
0: In your article, you you list uh, your five tips um, to, I guess, look after for parents to look after their own mental health. And the first one, of course, is sleep. The second one you mentioned is to ask for help and to accept it. Um, do you think that a lot of parents find difficult to actually ask for help in the early stages? Um, of don't parents?
1: you? Don't you think so? I mean, people expect themselves to be so perfect, and and um, and it's unreasonable. I mean, most parents and so many parents that they haven't even touched a baby in their lives. You know, they're quite good in school and they're quite good in their in their job. And they think, well, how hard can it be? Well, it's not intellectually hard taking care of a baby, but it is a labor. It is quite effortful. And so um, people should reach out for help and then they'll pay that help back, you know, later on when, when they, you know, when their child gets older and they finally can take a breath.
0: And the other things that you mentioned in your article, of course, is to make self-care a priority, which is something that um, is is probably on the back burner and the furthest thing from a lot of parents' minds when Mm -hmm. they're putting their newborn first. And of course, and they are sleep deprived. So how important do you think that that actually is? And as I say, you can't pour from an empty cup, can you? You have to ensure that you are sort of, you know, full yourself, do you think?
1: Like they say, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on your child. Um, and self-care means many different things. Number one, don't stress out about a dirty home or just you know, uh, uh, domestic chaos. Um, you, know, you have to choose your priorities. Um, don't feel like you have to be excessively polite to people and have them over or take care of their needs. Right now, you need them to help you take care of your needs let them bring over some food or when they come over let them wash the dishes or you know tidy things up Um, and don't be shy about that because you're raising the next generation that's going to help everyone so you know you're you deserve to get some support as well
0: and um, your last two points is take a deep breath and cut yourself some slack which I think all parents um, are quite hard on themselves I think in the early Mm -hmm. stages and then right through I don't think that that necessarily goes away do you think?
1: Well, and especially in this Instagram generation, right? Everyone sees pictures of these perfect families and these perfect homes and these perfectly happy people who never shed a tear. And, um, you know, what I would always tell my patients is that the only normal family is the one you don't know very well. Because once you ask questions, everyone's got something. Everyone has a trauma. Everyone has an issue. And we need to embrace our... Um, our differences and recognize that we're all uh, imperfect in our own ways and uh, we're not striving to be perfect we're just striving to be good enough.
0: Well uh, Dr. Karp this has truly been a wonderful um, experience chatting with you today. Um, If you were to summarize your key messages for anyone watching and listening what would you love for them to walk away and to remember from this interview today?
1: Well you know we've talked a lot about sleep and about babies um, I guess my last message, I would like to be about toddlers. Um, kids starting at seven or eight months, believe it or not, that's how early it starts, going up to five, six, seven years of age. Of course, seven is not a toddler anymore, but, but the, 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 what's so curious about new parents is that they will concentrate so much on having a baby and being good about babies and buying five books about babies and never buy another book the rest of their child's life. <laughs> as if they're just winging it, you know? But it turns out that between six months and six years, you've built a person. It's in many ways much more important than the first six months of life. And so it's worth spending five hours less of watching Game of Thrones and five hours of reading a good book about a toddler communication and toddler development. Um, so my book I think is a good book, I, I, I do recommend that, called The Happiest Toddler on the Block, there are many other good books about toddlers as well, but it is worth the investment of some time to learn some trips, tricks and tips, um, things that you, I mean what I love about pediatrics is that we're always coming up with little, little tips that can work in a day or two, it it's not, doesn't take five years to be able to learn these skills but it does take some practice and some education. And so that would be my parting message is that um, um, as your child gets to six, seven, eight months of age, or if you have an older bub, you know, spend a little bit of time to learn about toddler communication. It's not as simple as you think, um, and uh, it may be counterintuitive sometimes, but spending a little time learning those tips will, will pay off in spades in terms of learning Really developing respectful and and um, and good relationships with your child.
0: And of course, if anyone's got any other questions and/or want to find out more information about the snoo, of course, all of your books and everything else, we'll have all of those links in the show notes and of course uh, a link to your article. But uh, Dr. Cup, thank you so much for your time today. As I said, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour to speak with you. And all the very best over there in the My United pleasure. States, and just stay Thanks. safe in the meantime. But And you
1: stay safe in ours as well. Thank you so much. All my best. Thank you
0: so much. Bye-bye. Cheers. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kiddypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.